The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. My name is Aaron, if I've not had the chance to meet you. Uh, And I've had many conversations with several uh, of our regular attenders, and they are always shocked or amazed in my job title. Uh, I've been here for about 10 years, and my job has changed over the years. Six years was youth ministry, and then after that, I probably did a little bit of everything. Um, But today, my title for the last year plus has been the Business Administration Discipleship Pastor. So I oversee all the finance, organization, policy, administration stuff, as well as discipleship. So I get to watch the organization and help us stay as we should be, but also challenge us to continue to help every one of us grow and become mature followers of Jesus. And so that's kind of my resume portfolio, if you will. Uh, And so if you've ever had a finance question, you've either talked to me or Pam. Uh, And so you're welcome for that. Now you can put a beautiful face to a name uh, because it is a good looking face. Um, I'm not bashful, guys, okay? I turn red when I get attention, but I'm not bashful anymore, so... Uh, But I'm so glad you're here today. I'm excited to not just launch the year, but also wrap up kind of, I feel like it's a bridge between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, And I don't know about you, but with the snow uh, that came a few weeks back, it kind of messed with my rhythm for Christmas. Anybody feel that this year? Uh, We normally have a lot of traditions that we try and emulate and do, uh, but the snow kind of threw things into a funk for me uh, and my family. So we had to figure out new rhythms. uh, And then Figuring out Christmas with the in-laws. I love my in-laws. They moved to Marysville. My sister-in-law and her husband and little girl came. Uh, so trying to figure out the rhythms of I'm not staying at their house anymore. So my kids are going to bed super late, like I'm 11 o'clock at night, almost all week. And so it's been one of those crazy, uh, crazy weeks. And then anybody stay awake from fireworks last night? Some of us. Like it's not Fourth of July, people. Come on, right? Uh, but it's a new year. Uh, and so I, I love the anticipation that comes with New Year's. I'm not a resolutions guy because I'm thankful that God's mercies are new every morning, so I get every day I get a new chance to start over. Uh, So I don't have to wait till 2024 to realize I totally missed up on eating healthy uh, in the first day of the new year. But I'm thankful that I get every day, but I love the anticipation of my kids. If there's anything I've learned after being a dad for nine plus years now, three times over, is that there's so much anticipation and joy that comes with my children. Watching them get excited about last night, and we're going to do a movie, or we're going to do ice cream sundaes. Everything is exciting to them. Uh, And I love that that's what the new year season brings. And if you're anything like me, I kind of took last week to reflect a bit on 2022. What is the journey God's brought me on? How did I do when I had certain goals established at the beginning of the year? How did I do in in, in accomplishing those goals? Goals of being healthier. Because I'm now 39 years old, which my birthday was on Christmas Eve. I'm now closer to 40 than I've ever been in my life, okay? And I came into 2022 saying, I want to be healthier for my kids. I want to be able to keep my wind as they're chasing me, and I'm chasing them. So I evaluate, right? And then I come into 2023. What does this year hold? And and I love New Year's resolutions. I'm not even against them. Uh, And so I thought it'd be fitting to take some time to, what are the 10 most common New Year's resolutions coming into this new year? Uh, And so I listed them out here as I just did a simple Google search. I didn't like, these aren't profound. These aren't like deep, wonderful things. Um, But I Googled it. And so Google helps a lot with a lot of things. Uh, But the 10 most common, these are the 10 most common. Exercise more. Lose weight, which kind of go hand in hand, but also separate. Get organized. Some of us are like, (laughs) yep. Learn a new skill or hobby I thought was a cool one. Live life to the fullest. And I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be a little critical for a second? That's so vague. 
what do you mean live life to the fullest? Come on, like be specific about it. Anyways, but live life to the fullest, save money or spend less money, which again, go hand in hand. Quit smoking was one. That's one of the most common ones. Spend more time with family and friends. Travel more, which coming out of COVID the last several years, like traveling more is probably a big wish list for a lot of us, okay? Get out of my house, cabin fever. Um, and then finally, the 10th most common was read more. Uh, and so I thought, okay, those are cool coming into the new year, but they didn't really make me excited about any resolutions. So uh, I found a few more honorable mentions, I would call them, that I think as we think about the new year, they, they kind of are triggering some thoughts for me. Um, one of them that came in was minimize device time. That'll preach, right? <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. I'm, I, I manage my device time. No, the most humbling stat in all the world is when my phone shows up, screen time usage. It was down, like, it was down 20%. And I'm like, where was my down the next week? Nope, it went up. Um, minimize screen time was one of them. Give one compliment a day, which I thought was a really cool one. Can I find a way to give one compliment a day? Raymond, you look good today, bro. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Another one that I thought was really, was really thought-provoking was writing down one thing you're grateful for every day. At the end of the year, you'll have 365 things that you would have been grateful for for this year. It's an interesting one. I, th I thought it was really challenging. Another one is call a friend instead of texting. Anybody can do Yep, got to do that. How easy is it to pull my phone and say, hey, thinking of you today. Click. Now on to my next thing. Call a friend instead of texting. Some of you young adults and teenagers need to hear this one. Uh, I won't even point fingers at adults, but it says clean out your car was one of them. <laughs> right? New Year's resolution. Hey, you can check that off real quick if you do it. Another one I thought was funny uh, is go to the dentist when you're supposed to. Like, why do you got to say when you're supposed to? Like, do we really delay going to the dentist? Okay, I guess. Uh, but go to the dentist when you're supposed to. Two more. Uh, I thought this was a really good one. The last two are more sentimental and good, but uh, the, la the second to last is let go of grudges. That's a biblical one, by the way. So is giving compliment. Like, all of these things can be rooted back to scripture, but let go of grudges. I think some of us coming into 2023 a little heavier, let it go. In the words of Elsa, that my two-year-old little girl is wanting to be. And the final one I thought was really good too, which I have a confession to make with this one, is send handwritten letters. Some of you are really good at handwriting. I am not one of those individuals. I'm going to out myself. Uh, every year we give, uh, our, our, we give staff thank you cards, Christmas cards, saying, hey, thank you for the last year. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, when I write a thank you card, my hand cramps really quickly, and then you can't understand what I'm writing, and so what I did, what I did this year is I typed out my, my message, taped it in a card, and then hand wrote, I hand wrote in the side saying, hey, I love you, I'm thankful for you, I'm writing this, because if I were to write what I wanted to write, you wouldn't have been able to read it, because my hand would have cramped three seconds into it. So, um, so I probably should start handwriting some more letters, right? Because uh, my hand goes like, I'm like, oh, come on, Stop. So it means I do a lot of this and a lot of this, but um, I just, I think, I think resolutions are a great thing. I think goals are a great thing. I think we should always be assessing, not just at the end of a year or the turn of a year, but we should always be assessing how are we as individuals? Where do we need work? How do we get better? How do we get healthier? How do we continue to strive to be everything God intended us to be? So I think goals are good things, but here's where I think it has a tendency to be a problem is when goals only focus on and center on me. 
When I become the sole focus, when I become the sole reason and the sole center point of a goal is when it's about me. And the reason why I kept today's message connected to wonder is because I love the idea of wonder being a filter with which we view our lives through every day we live. Right, as I was thinking about resolutions, I was thinking about today's messages, I was thinking about the opportunity that I have to encourage, to challenge myself, as well as you, my church family. I literally came to a point where I had one word pop in my head, and that was a filter. <laughs> There's filters all over the place, right? I'm not talking mouth filters. I won't go that route, just so some of you are aware of that. Some of you need mouth filters, myself included. I have foot and mouth disease where I like to put my foot in my mouth, and then realize, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Early on in my marriage, my wife would apologize a lot on my behalf uh, <laughs> because I'd say things, not offensively, but I'd say things sarcastically that my wife was like, I'm sorry for my husband. Um, so I understand the need for a mouth filter, but as I was thinking about filters, what, what's the purpose? And we have house filters, you have oil filters. I don't know if you know this in your vehicle, there's an oil filter. There's an air filter. There's a cabin air filter. Uh, there's filters all over the place. There's water filters. There's uh, internet filters. There's all sorts of filters. And what's the purpose of a filter? It's to maintain the integrity and quality of the item, right? You put a filter on something because you want what you have to have a long and productive life for whatever it is, whether it's your phone, whether it's your internet, which your, your spiritual life, whether it's your refrigerator water. Have you ever drank water without a filter out of a fridge? It doesn't taste very good. Somebody's like, you're weird. Every, all water tastes the same. No, it does not. Right, but there's filters for a reason. It helps maintain the purity and the integrity of the item, which then produces long life. They're also required and needed to be maintained. I don't know if you know this either. I think Nick spoke on this a few weeks ago, used this analogy in the sense of like your house filters for your furnace should be changed twice a year, three, four times a year, at least twice a year. And some, like, I know someone's like, what, what? Oh man, I've been in my house for 10 years. I haven't touched my filter. But why? Because if you don't change your filter, they get clogged, they get dirty, they are no longer effective in protecting the life and vitality of the item you have a filter on. That's the purpose of a filter. And I really believe for us today that the wonder of Christ should be the filter with which we live our lives through. That the wonder of Jesus, not just his birth, but his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his sending the Holy Spirit to empower all of you and I as followers of Jesus, that is life, that Christ is meant to be the filter with which we live our lives through. And I love that we can see the impact of a filter like this through the eyes of the shepherds just for a moment. Many of us probably read this passage already. We've hit this passage multiple times over the last month. But I want to take a moment and read Luke 2, 15 to 20 one more time. Because there's a few things I think are so powerful about the impact of Christ as the filter for the shepherds. It says this in verse 15 of chapter 2. It says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, this is after the angels showed up when they were in their fields, and hey, the Messiah's been born, the angels burst out in song and dance, it's a big old party, the shepherds are in awe watching this all take place. It says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In other words, this wasn't some like minimal, like subpar news break. It was like the thing to go figure out. So the shepherds hurried off, found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray today for our time and God's word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this new year. Lord, even as it's already been prayed by Hunter, Lord, we want this to be the dedication, the launch of our year. And Lord, I pray today that you, Holy Spirit, would stir in our hearts, that you would bring conviction, that you would bring courage, that you would bring boldness and passion to continue living the life you've called us to live. God, I pray for radical obedience. God, I pray for radical faith. God, I pray for an increased level of understanding of your truth today that would set us on a course for the rest of this year. God, that it would be an incredible adventure filled with joy, filled with wonder, filled with anticipation. God, filled with challenges and victories and triumphs. God, I pray that today would be a catalyst for the rest of our year. And Lord, that you would establish foundational truths and foundational disciplines in each of our hearts that we would go forth, even as your word says, that we would be led forth in joy today. God, whether we're gathering here in this place physically or God, we're at a distance online. Lord, I pray your blessing. I pray your spirit to move on our hearts and I pray you would honor and bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love this moment in Luke because the shepherds had this incredible experience. They heard a message of the arrival of the Messiah, right? We remember this from Christmas. They ran off and found it to be true. They didn't just hear the message. They actually ran off and found it was true. Then when they found that it was true, what'd they do? They told everybody they could. This was the middle of the night, by the way. So something like me last night with the fireworks going off, it's almost like people are celebrating a new year and they're telling everybody who doesn't want to know about it because they're trying to sleep. <laughs> and my first reaction was like, oh, God bless them. <laughs> but there's something about the middle of the night where the shepherds encounter this incredible truth of Jesus. The hope in the Messiah has finally arrived. They run off. They find it to be true. They tell everybody they possibly can. Everybody who heard it were amazed. And then I thought this, was so, this is so poignant to me. It says they were turned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. They returned back to their job, which was tending the sheep at night. They returned. What was once a normal day in the office turned into a transformational moment because they encountered Jesus. They returned. See, I don't know about you, but tomorrow's coming. Some of us have the day off because we're honoring and observing January 1st, the New Year's, it's a holiday, so we get that paid holiday off. So then for some of us, Tuesday's coming. In the midst of the wonder of Jesus, mine's Tuesday, I, we, we honor, we observe January 1st on Monday, so I'll be back in the office on Tuesday. I'm returning Tuesday, right? But they returned. This season, we strategically walked through this series of wonder because we wanted to deepen the profundity of Christmas, the arrival of the Messiah, what it means for you and I. And just like the shepherds did, they returned. But it says that they were glorifying and praising God. Why were they glorifying and praising God? All the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they 
were told. They returned because of the truth of the Messiah. You and I, today, we would actually refer to this conversation as the gospel. The gospel that I'm referring to is actually a, a synopsis in John 3, 16 and 17. And be careful not to remove 17 from 16, please. But the gospel is simply this, that for God so loved the world, I want to read in the, the, the Christian standard because I love the way it says it. It says this. It says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, hear this, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So you and I, a very simple synopsis of what the gospel really is, is John 3, 16 and 17. Much like the shepherds who encountered the hope of Jesus as a baby in the, in the manger, the coming Messiah, and what it alluded to in God providing redemption for humanity, you and I cling to this truth in John 3, 16 and 17 even more so because we see Jesus is not just his birth, but what? His life, his death, his resurrection. Showing up to some 500 witnesses, his ascension, and telling his, believers, his followers, hey, don't do anything yet, but wait for the one I promise will show up. And then in Acts 2-4, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we cling to the hope and the truth of the gospel, which is John 3, 16 and 17, in a very short synopsis. But that's what we cling to today that we get to return in just a day or two. And my hope is that we can leave today understanding that, God, you're so faithful and you're so good. That just like the shepherds, we can be amazed at the truth of Jesus, that he loves, that he cares, that he establishes so many things for you. We see it all throughout Scripture. The Old Testament alludes to the coming Messiah. It points to Jesus. The New Testament unravels the entirety of the gospel. We see the impact of the gospel through the blind beggars receiving sight. We see the impact of the gospel through lame men being healed, religious leaders' child being raised from the dead. We see it on and on and on, the impact of the gospel. And then we get to the book of Acts, which I don't have time to get in the book of Acts. To understand the book of Acts, you've got to realize it's the launch of the church. It's Jesus empowering his believers to go make disciples. Because in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus says, hey, go therefore into all the world and make disciples throughout the entire earth. Go do that. And then we see the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit's empowerment, and the church is born. And I wish I had time to really work through this. And if, if you are interested in that, there's a podcast you can listen to that we do as a Grove Church that we actually break down, Evan and I work through this book called the Book of Acts. But the crazy thing about this is we're introduced to a character named Saul. And I want to take a few moments and talk about Saul for a second. And again, I don't have time to go into this guy's life. He was a zealot for the religious council. He was a zealot for the Pharisee group who were actually in opposition to Christianity. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like what he stood for. They didn't like his message. But Saul, who was, a, who was a man and a leader within this church, he was in opposition. He stood at the first martyr of Christianity's death in approval. This is recorded in the book of Acts. We hear stories of him arresting and putting Christians in prison. And then in Acts chapter 9, he's on his, he's on his way to Damascus to do very much what he's done. He's on his way to go arrest Christians. 
And on this way, he encounters Jesus. Long story short, he has an incredible moment. He's told to go wait for one of Jesus' followers to come pray for him. Ananias prays for him after wrestling with God. says, that guy kills Christians. You want me to go pray? What? No thanks. Scales fall from Saul's eyes. Saul becomes not a zealot in opposition, but he becomes zealous for God and for the hope of the gospel. He writes almost two-thirds of the New Testament that we currently have in the scripture right now. He wrote almost two-thirds of this right here. It's a really big Bible. It makes me look really spiritual. (laughs) But he wrote two-thirds of this stack right here that you and I have one of the most systematic understandings of the gospel in the book of Romans because of Paul's pen, pen and writing penmanship. He wrote it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he penned these words in Galatians 2.20 that I think are some of the most profound for you and I today. Some of us know this verse. Some of it may be embroidered on a pillow. Maybe it's on a, a wall art in our, in our room. Maybe it's a verse we just hold tightly to. Maybe it's a life verse for some of us. But after encountering Christ, he writes to a church in Galatia, and he says this in 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But, the li- but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the impact of a gospel filter for someone's life. For you and I as followers of Jesus, this is the impact of a filtered life. That it's no longer your life and my life, but it's about the life of Jesus living through me. It's about my understanding and my call to be who God's called me to be, how he wired me to be, to go into all the world, to build bridges and reach people. And I love that Paul modeled this and challenges us today to live in light of it. He understood that the wonder of Christ is meant to be the filter with which we live our lives through. And there's no greater way to see it in the book of Acts. There's a, there's a chapter, in chapter 17, there's this incredible story where Paul, if you don't know this, Greece was about intelligence. Greece was about knowledge. They wanted to learn every bit of philosophy and every bit of teaching. They wanted to accumulate knowledge so they can be the smartest people in all the world. So when they heard of a new teaching, they would invite the teacher to come to them and teach them. So that's what happened with Paul. He was invited to come, hey, we hear you're teaching a new teaching, we want to hear it, come speak to us. So he's invited to to stand before the Greeks in the Areopagus and provide a presentation, much like I'm doing right now. He's having a dialogue and a conversation with these individuals, and he challenges them based upon what he observes in their culture. There's a moment he says, hey, I I saw an idol, you have this wall of idols, and there's one that's marked to an unknown God. The reason why they would do an unknown God is because they didn't want to miss anybody. That they wanted to cover all their bases and worship everybody they possibly could, and so they had one set aside that was to an unknown God just in case they missed someone. So Paul walks into this environment, sees this wall. First off, if it's like me, I'm like, holy cow, they worship everything. But Paul doesn't think that. Paul says, hey, there's an unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. And he provides and starts walking them through the gospel. He starts walking them through God who's sovereign, who's the creator of everything, who's sovereign over every God. He is the one true God. Begins to provide presentation, begins to help them understand the gospel. And it says at the end of this in verse 34, it says says in verse 33, it says, Paul left their presence 
after they said, we'd like to hear from you again. It says, however, some people joined him and believed. And then this off, including Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris and others with him. The fruit of a gospel-filtered life is opportunities to present the gospel so that some might be saved. Right? Paul modeled a certain level of discipline, but he lived with missional intent because he understood God's sovereignty, God's plan, God's purpose, God's love, his grace, his truth. A gospel-filtered life is a mission-living life. As I think about the new year, here's my question. How does the filter of the gospel for you translate to your everyday life? Because you're returning in two days, some of you one day. Some of you have already returned to work. How does the gospel filter change the way you're engaging the world you live in now? As I think about some practical things, as followers of Christ, a gospel filter life means we understand and continue to grow in an understanding of God's love for us and the world. It means we don't just stop with, oh yeah, Jesus died, he loves us, cool. But we wrestle through the understanding of what does God's love mean for me? It means that in my best moments and in my worst moments, I'm still God's child. That I can rest in confidence and certainty because I'm God's son. That even if I mess up, that there's grace for me. That when I'm living in rebellion, that there's truth to bring me back to the grace because it's his kindness that leads me to repentance. God's not a judge in the sense of, ah, no. He's a gracious judge. He's going to hold the standard of truth because he is the truth. But he's going to hold that standard in love because he wants all men to come to him. He wants all of us. He wants your neighbor that you can't stand. He wants your coworker that just drives you crazy. He wants your boss who uses and abuses your time and your willingness to help. He wants that un unforgiving, unrepentant child. He wants you, the rebel, where you hold, withhold forgiveness or grace. He wants us. So he has a standard that he fulfills in Christ and then invites us to belong to his family and draws us and calls us up to that standard because in Christ we can do everything he calls us to do. See, it also means that we do our best to speak the truth with the love of God in mind. My, my greatest concern in my life is when I'm disagreeing with someone and I, I buy into the lie that says, oh, I'm, I'm speaking the truth in love, but there's no love in my heart towards the individual. To where I will not engage in a conversation to the best of my ability. Sometimes I, I mess up. That if I can't picture sitting across the table from the individual and sharing my heart and that it would be motivated by love to engage in a conversation, then I won't say anything to them. Because I want to speak the truth with the love of God in mind and in heart. I don't, I don't just want to spew it and say, well, this is truth. Deal with it. I want, to, I want to be motivated and led by God's love to love people into the kingdom, not create more hurdles for them to get into. That's my conviction. And that's a challenge I feel as we enter into this new year. And then when we understand God's love for us, when we try to speak the truth of God with, truth of God with the love of God in mind, that we then realize we're agents and ambassadors to go into all the world. 
to go back to our workplaces, to build bridges, to look for opportunities like Paul did with missional intent. How do I reach these people well? And I love some of the stories that come out from our, our church family, and I wish we had more time to share them. But of an individual who, who literally buys stockings for homeless individuals, and they pack it full of things that, that they would need, and they go out during Christmas break and hand these out to individuals that they see on the streets. And Rob and Char are an incredible couple. And I heard about this a couple weeks ago, and I was like, holy cow, that's so missional, it's so purposeful. That I want to live with generosity in mind, that I want to live in a reflection of God's hope because the gospel is the filter with which I live my life through. The last thing I'll say is this, is I'm thankful that we don't have to do it alone. I love what Paul says in Acts 17. That we, he, he's challenging those who are listening. He says, in him we live and move and have our being. He's, the him he's referring to is God. It's in him we live. It's in him we move. It's in him we have our being. I'm also reminded of Philippians 2.13, which again are words penned by, by Paul. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and desire to do what pleases him. The him he's talking to is God. But it's God who works in me to both will, have the will to do it, and desire to have the desire to do what pleases God. I don't have to, I'm not alone in doing this. That as I understand the gospel, as I understand Jesus' love for me, displayed on the cross, displayed in his resurrection, his invitation for me to belong, I can live with intent. I can live with the filter of love, of grace, of generosity. I can live with these things in mind. And it's the most freeing and encouraging part of our entire lives as Christians. If I were to give you some practical things as we start this new year, as you think and consider, what is my filter of the gospel? How is my filter of the gospel translating into my everyday life? I'm gonna give you things that are not new or groundbreaking, but they're foundational and they're necessary as followers of Christ because our filter has to be checked and renewed and replaced and re-cleaned up sometimes. I looked at my air furnace this last winter, right before winter started, and I realized, man, it's dirty. And I didn't have a filter when I was having access to it, so I vacuumed it out, cleaned it up, and I stuck it back in. It's nice and clean and good again, but there's required maintenance as a Christian as well, that we need to review our lives and assess them based upon the filter of the gospel. And so there's four things I would give us as practical things for this year. One, some of you are just like, yeah, I've heard that before. It's called a biblical filter and view. We've got to be diligent as followers of Jesus to stay rooted and established in his word. And I'm not just giving you lip service. I did the life of following Jesus, even as a pastor years and years ago, where I didn't stay diligent in God's word, and it left me drier than I would have ever imagined to be. I felt more disconnected from the voice of God in my life. So I finally said, God, I can't miss a day. And I think I went 90, I went 87 days without missing a day. And then I, then I picked up the next day that I, I started, and I'm like, oh man, I missed a day, but I'm still going to keep going. Because I used to be defeated. Oh God, I didn't do it again, I didn't do it again, I'm sorry I didn't stay diligent in your word. But you know what the beauty of it is? That there's grace. And the moment I took the pressure off my shoulders to say I have to be perfect, that there's grace for me, that if I miss a day, I can pick it up the next day and continue reading, that God doesn't look at me and be like, man, you suck, Aaron. You missed a day, you lame -o. No, God just wants to spend time with me. And as I diligently stayed rooted in God's word, I felt like I could understand his heart for people, his heart for decisions, what he would tell me, as I sometimes need my dad, dad what do I do here? 
I could, feel, I could sense in my heart and spirit I had a clearer picture of what I should do, how I should respond. We as followers of Christ cannot give lip service to God's word. This isn't just some book that's a religious thing that we should check off our list. This is the living word of God. Can 2023 be the year you shift your perspective and you begin to understand this is what God has given us? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, written over the course of 1,500 plus years, put together for you and for I today so we can live in the hope and the truth of the gospel of Jesus. We can't bypass that. Here's a shameless plug. We launched a new reading plan this year as a church. It's through version, and, and we do a podcast in conjunction with this every year. The Bible reading plan, you can go on our, our app, you can jump online, you can search us on YouTube for the Grove Church if you look for my church under your settings. It's called the One Year Chronological Bible. And it starts today. So you too can be a part of this for three easy payments. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest with you. If you have never been someone to read the Bible in a year, here's your chance. We have to take a higher view and a higher priority of God's word in our lives. Or our filter will become dirty quicker than we could have ever realized it being. We need Christ-centered community. And I'm not just talking about an idea of small groups. I'm talking about an honest group of people who will keep you challenged and refined and better. I'm better because of the guys in my life group. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better man. Because they challenge me. They call me out on my emotionalism because sometimes I'm really emotional but they help me understand the value of doing life together. I was one of those guys that didn't like it when I first jumped into it. But life groups are intentional. And they're starting in a couple weeks. And there's opportunity for you to cross that line and say, I'm not just gonna talk about doing it, I'm gonna jump into a life group and be uncomfortable for a season because it's gonna produce a better fruit and a better return. I wish I could take all day on these things. Engagement with the local body. Don't give up meeting together. There's power in, in our faith being stirred up and in the, in the vo- voices of so many worshiping, responding to God's word, singing songs. We need to stay engaged more than ever before. And God has given you talents. He's given you resources. You're called to steward them. Ways that we can maintain our filter, cleanliness, our purity of our filter These are some practical things that I take very seriously that I try and filter and live my life based upon and that I'm reviewing on a regular basis. But you will become ineffective if your filter is tainted. We have to regularly see how is the gospel filtering our lives so that we can be who God has called us to be and reach a world that's growing darker and darker by the minute. But I'm I'm hopeful because we are the light of the world because his light lives in us that we can go forth and see God's light shine brightly as we continue to maintain our filters, if I can be corny about it. How's your filter today? I want to pray for you, and then we'll get us out of here. But God, I I thank you today that we have an opportunity to be reminded as we start a new year, God, that we we can start off on the right foot. And God, the opportunity to gather, to be together on the first of the year, God, I I feel like it's so cliche to say these things because it's the new year and we gotta say these things, but God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be reminded to check my filter. God, to check how the gospel is translating my life and God, am I living 
properly? Am I living in alignment with the hope and the truth of Jesus? So I ask that you would help us today. I pray each and every one of us that you would speak to our hearts, that we would know very clearly what you would say to us, and God, that you would help us to be responsive and obedient. God, you know better than any of us what we need. So Holy Spirit, we give you control and we give you platform. In Jesus' name I say, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.